Welcome to The Real Deal, where God, His purposes, and His people are celebrated. I'm Rachel Inouye, bringing you encouragement through real life, people, and their stories. It's The Real Deal. Hey, let's get started. Okay, I am so glad to be here with you today, Annie. I'm so excited. This is my cousin, Annie (laughs) Davis, and she's with me. Say hi to everyone. Hi. (laughs) So we are going to tell you a little bit about our background because Mm -hmm. of our family. I want to share a lot about funny stories because you have a mind like a steel trap. (laughs) I want to hear your story where God has had you and where he's bringing you and maybe even project for both of us some things prophetically or just like blessings for each other over the future. I don't know where this is going to go. Okay. But we're going to let the Holy Spirit go. But first, I want to do kind of what I normally do with any guests. Okay. Answer these as fast as you can. And there's no right or wrong because these are a little, they pin you to the wall and you don't really have to answer if you don't want to. Okay. Out of these two things, which would you say? Introvert, extrovert. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is not going to go well. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm more of an extrovert than I used to be. I'm coming out of my shell more and more all the yeah. time. And that's part of your story. Yeah, We're going to get to that. Coffee, tea. Oh, tea. But <laughs> I'm a chai drinker, which is a spiced tea. Right. So I have one cup in the morning, but then it's so full of sugar and good stuff that's fattening. So then I usually just go to hot water. <laughs> yep. Because we drink hot water. Yes. Our grandma like drank our grandma. hot water. Yep. I think I wrote that on blog. Yes. Sharon and I had it yes, last night. Yes, you did. Dog, cat, either, neither. Dog. Morning bird, night owl. Both. Okay. Explain. <laughs> well, I would, I'm a morning bird because I get up at five o'clock in the morning to go to work. <laughs> if I didn't have to work, if I could just do what I wanted to do naturally, I would be a night owl. That makes sense. Okay. Books, movies. If it is a movie, I'd rather watch the movie. But if mm-hmm. it's a book that I'm reading, the books that I read don't have movies that go with them. So then I'm, yeah. I'm an avid reader. Yes, you are. Silence, music. There's a time and a place for both, but I love music. Yeah, you're very musical. Leaned in or laid back? Leaned in. Uh-huh. I would say that. Shower or bath? Shower. Driver or passenger? I'm a driver because I have to be, but I'm looking forward to the day I can be a passenger. <laughs> Somebody take me to where I want to go. Uh, that's right. Okay. All right. So one of the questions, and I know that you have been a wonderful Real Deal follower, but you listened to the first episode with your uncle. Yes. And my dad, yep. Richard Hagen. So the real deal is somebody in your life that was authentic to who they were. Uh, they're the real deal. They're not phony baloney, as my dad would say. The real McCoy. Mm-hmm. Is there somebody in your life or do you have anybody that's been the real deal to you? You know, honestly, growing up, I can't think of anybody because it seems like most of the people that I knew, they had one face in front of me and another face behind my mm. back. And so that was really hard. I thought about this question for a long, long time. And mm. I was just like, I don't really know that there's anybody yeah. that I would point out. Um, I mean, definitely your dad is the real deal, but it's not like I really got to spend a lot of time with him growing up because I That's was fair. three hours away. Mm-hmm. So to have somebody in close proximity to me on yeah. a constant basis, there really, there really wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's fair. It's the real yeah. deal to not just conjure up one. Yeah. You know, the real deal is I didn't have that. So touching on that, I'd kind of like to go back to a little bit of your childhood, a little bit of growing up and things that you remember. But I also just believe the Holy Spirit's going to lead this where he wants it to go. Absolutely. So you share what you feel comfortable with and okay. we can edit if we need, but yep. I, I want you... I want you to share whatever is fun to you, but we have fun together. Yes, so, we do. Uh, you can start with a little bit of <laughs> your background and how we're connected or, okay. you know, the years that we were not connected, whatever you want to say. Okay. Well, my mom is sisters to your dad. Yep. My mom's no longer living. She died three years ago, but um, her little brother, Richard, was her favorite. <laughs> I always heard about, oh. Richard, little Toto, he could do no wrong. Toto could, on your dad's worst day, he was perfect. That's what she used to call him. Oh, like Toehead maybe? No. Because he used to have blonde curly hair. Toto, it was Uncle Toto. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Your dad might be able to answer that story. Yeah, I didn't know that. We may have to ask him tonight. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you get so, Toto? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. She always referred to him as Uncle Toto. So she's my just Toto. a little bit older than he is, correct? Um, in the string of things. She, there are eight Do you kids. know what year your dad was born? 31. Okay, my mom was born in 27. Okay. So four years okay. apart. And I don't know if there was another 
Nope, I think sibling there's... in between there or not. But yep. I remember her telling stories about um, poor Richard when he was little and had all these older sisters and they would put makeup on him, put fingernail polish on him, all this stuff. And he just, he had to go with the flow because there wasn't really a choice. There wasn't a choice. Well, he's got an older brother, then sisters, then my dad, then sisters, yep. and then a younger brother. Yeah. So he really played probably with more of the girls around. Yeah. 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 Yeah, really. Oh, so, I mean, and because we were the family, out of all eight siblings, we were the only ones that did not live in Iowa. Right. So, and my parents were self-employed, so they owned a music store when I was little. So the store was always kind of the reason why we couldn't be at a lot of the family gatherings because, well, no, we had the store to run. Right. So there wasn't a lot of contact. I mean, I knew my cousins, but, and there's such a wide age range. range because there's eight kids so that think of yep, when the first one started 24 grandkids yeah and so i think the oldest now is in their 70s and the youngest is probably 40s upper 40s okay maybe chad and yeah yeah maybe so um yeah so there's a wide range so you got to know some more than others right and then i've got two brothers that are so much older than me that they're 10 and 14 years older than me and so you've got four sisters and the oldest one is quite a bit older but you've got a well, smaller sisters, gap. Or, yeah, sorry. Oh my gosh, did she know something? I didn't know totally. No, did she no. have another sister? <laughs> there you go. I'm no, kidding. but there's enough of a, you yeah. know, there's not a huge gap like there is between me and Bernie being right. 10 years. Right. And so, um, so I was basically raised as an only child. So one of my <laughs> most fun memories is we would come over to visit my grandma and grandpa Tynan a lot, which lived in Des Moines. Yeah. And you guys were a half an hour north of Des Moines. And so in the summer, I could usually convince my mom to bring me over one weekend and drive me up to see Rachel and Joyce. Mm -hmm. And then she would come back and pick me up the next week. Right. And so I would like spend all year long just dying for that week Aww. that I would get to spend with Rachel and Joyce. It was fun. And we, <laughs> we, we were little. But we had fun. We had fun. We would go to the mall. I mean, we would go. Well, you'd go swimming. I'd go floating. <laughs> Tell them what that means, because I don't know how to swim. So I'd be like, oh, "Let's go floating," because you guys could get into the high school pool, which right. was right up the street from right. your house. We would ride our bikes or walk or whatever. <laughs> We'd go up there, and I would just cling to the side of the pool, and you guys would swim around, and then you'd come back and check on me, and I'd be like, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> you'd go swim around, and you'd come back and check on me. I'm okay, I'm just floating. Yeah. And I'd float for a minute, I, but I would never let go of the side of the pool. We, we We were like, we're not losing her no matter what we do. <laughs> She's over there basically doing our own little aerobics class, pedaling, pedaling, <laughs> kick, kick, kick. Yep. But it didn't matter what we did I just had so much fun with you guys and we would clean out drawers we had to all kinds of stuff right. but if I think about that you had two older brothers but you kind of are like an only child like you yeah. mentioned well you alluded to that but so getting around girly stuff yeah, was fun for it you, never right? happened. Like drawers filled with yeah. hair bows and makeup and yeah and you just or... had stuff and you had that dresser that was red, white, and blue, and it had yes. tons of drawers. And it was like the top row was all the fun stuff. It was like, who cared about the clothes? I wanted the stuff, you know? <laughs> and I would come home with everything from a bouncy ball to a, I don't even know what. I'd there probably like, stuff. I don't want this. You want this? Maybe there were some nice treasures. I don't really remember. Um, but I don't remember either, but it was fun. <laughs> we even did it a few years ago with the adult version. Yes, where I came up and cleaned out your closet. Do you ever wear any of it? Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's fun. Yep. So, so yeah. So, what else do you remember about kind of growing up? The reason I'm hitting on that is, I think as far as the real deal, mm -hmm. mm, I'm not saying you maybe have had versions of yourself. That's not what I mean in a, a negative way. Right. But I think you're probably the best version of you you've ever been. Absolutely. So I know that. Let for us kind of lead us through some of the versions of you and how well, that happens, because I think your story is wonderful, and I, you can touch on the business you've owned. You can touch on your you know, your marriage, your kids, whatever you want okay. to do. But I think you're the real deal, but I think you've actually become more of the real deal, yeah. if that makes sense. When I was really little, I know that I had a personality that I feel like I'm finally all these years coming back to. Mm -hmm. I remember I was probably maybe three or four, and there were two little kids that lived next door to me, and their names were Danny and Linda, brother and sister. And for some reason, we had a swing set in our backyard. And I don't know how I got, I was the kid on the block with the swing set because yeah. my parents never had two pennies to rub together. So I don't know how I was the lucky one to have the swing set. Wow. I don't know if it was a gift. I don't know where it came from, but I had the swing set. So this kid, Danny and Linda would want to come over and swing and I'd be like, 
oh, well, all right, then there's going to be some rules. And if you want to swing, we need to understand that I'm the owner of the swing set, so I get to set the rules. And I like to sing. So if you're going to swing on my swing set, I get to say the songs, and you will sing my songs or you're not swinging. Yeah, three or four. Yes. So and the so, administrative part and exactly. a little bit of the bossy pants the, was already coming the, out. Let's call it management. <laughs> And so that's how they learned Jesus loves me and Jesus loves the little children. Well, one day my mom happened to have the kitchen window open and she overheard my management style <laughs> and she marched me over to the next door neighbor's house to apologize to the mom and apologize that I was being bossy to her kids. She didn't make me apologize. She apologized. She was embarrassed of me. And so she apologized and the neighbor goes, are you kidding me? She goes, I think it's wonderful. My kids wouldn't have any way of learning those songs. Otherwise they're good songs. I am thrilled that they know them and I love it. And I just remember looking at my mom and go, see, I'm fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So but, you knew sort of deep down. Yeah. And it was just like, that was my life. And that's what I wanted to share with everybody around me. And it was just like, this is the way it is. I'm going to sing. And if you want to join in, you're welcome to, but you're going to join in with me. I'm not joining in with you. Mm. And so I think there was that part of me, but my mom tried to squelch it. And there were even things later on in life that she tried to squelch in a very similar way that just was really kind of the beginning of that shutdown part of not allowing me to be my true self. Mm. And so I think that as I got older, that just... I don't know if it became stronger, but it was just something that you just got to the point where it was like, you just didn't even bother to fight it because it just wasn't going to happen. So then as I'm that continued and I got to the age where I started dating and met my ex-husband, um, it was just like, he was what I was used to. And he was a that version of that in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it was like, if we disagreed on something, it was like, I wasn't going to fight for my opinion. I wasn't, you know, it was like, no, you're going to win. So we might as well just let you win and, and go from there. And, um, so it was so just, at a, sorry, no, at, you're at fine. a very early age, then you had this voice, you let people know what you wanted. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You were asserting yourself. Yeah. But over time it got to be where whatever anybody else would say. You yeah. Would I do remember. It has to be incremental. Yeah, it really was because it was something that didn't seem out of the ordinary to me. Mm. So it was slow, a slow process. Um, one of the other things I do remember when I was little is I ran in a house one time because somebody had done something and I thought they were being mean to me. And I ran to my mom and I said, hey, so-and-so is being mean to me. And she said, now, Annie, whenever anybody's mean to you, you need to understand that they don't mean it. So you need to just close your mouth turn around, walk away and take it. And I remember those words to this day. And I was very little. I was probably about the same three or four years old, but that impacted me because I saw in her that, um, before my dad got saved, I know, and I don't know a lot of the details because it's, it was never really talked Give about, it to you. Yeah. but, um, I know that he wasn't exactly nice. Let's just put it that way. I don't know if there was abuse. I don't know if anything was physical. I don't know any details and that doesn't even matter, right. but I know that that's how she treated my dad. It was just like, if he said anything or did anything, she just shut up and took it. And so when not only did she say those words to me, but that's what she lived and that was the example that I saw, then that's just what I became. And whether that's exactly what she was trying to do, that's kind of what you learned. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whether she was trying to teach that, yeah. that's what you learned. Exactly. Does that make sense? Because sometimes exactly. something lands on us. Yep. So in a sense, you maybe believed a lie. Yeah. I really did because I remember, um, you know, I just, I was never taught to stand up for myself. I was never taught that I deserve respect. I mean, those things that are so basic to some people and it just wasn't there. It was like, no, you're the doormat without saying those words. Right, right. But that was really. Instead of your significance, exactly. you're important. Your, it, my yeah. identity. Exactly. My cousin Rachel. Yes, I love identity. Yes. So, you know, thing. so to find myself in a marriage that was unhealthy it really wasn't a surprise because I was just going with what seemed normal, seemed that's the way life is, you know? And then 29 years later, when it finally got to the point, because I had became so desensitized to everything that was going on around me. And anytime anybody would try to talk to me and say, Annie, you know, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if you should be doing this or I don't, I would always defend what was going on under our yeah, roof. roof. Mm -hmm. 
I was always told don't talk about what goes on under this roof. I was, you know, I mean, there were definite rules that I was supposed to follow. And um, and you didn't think anything of it, really, no, right? No, because it didn't seem out of the ordinary to me. And any time I was told something, it was so justified, and it was done in such a, I'll say, covert way okay. that it, it made sense to me. So I was like, well, okay. You and, know. and I don't want to get too much into that, but give me an example. I feel um, like you told me something about computer one time or... Like, yeah. So, okay. So I was self-employed. So from 2000 to 2010, I owned my own drapery business. Yes, and I made so yeah, good. custom window treatments for interior designers, which I loved. Yeah. And, and you're artsy and creative and that whole side of all of our connections. I love is, that. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that, which of course I was convinced that I was not creative because I couldn't draw. Oh yeah. And the way that I was raised, it was like, oh no, if you're not an artist, and if oh, you okay. can't draw or paint, then you're not creative. And that was all lumped Another in there lie. because my ex was very creative and he was very artistic and he was a woodworker and he was actually very, very talented. Yeah. But because I didn't have the same talents that he did, he convinced me that I was not creative. But um, so at one point he um, he told me, he said, well, because we had a, a family PC computer and he said, you know, you've done so much for this family that I think it's time that you have your own laptop. And he goes, you can use that for business. And, you know, I was so excited because yeah. I wanted a laptop. I'd wanted a laptop for a very long time. So we went to the, you know, the store and, you know, did it all the wrong way. We put it on a credit card, which we couldn't afford to begin with. And when we got home, I did not know a whole lot about computers. I mean, yeah, I could get fair. on and do what I needed to do. I could check my email, but I really didn't have a lot of technical skills behind me, like, you know, like I've learned now. Yeah, because sometimes I call you like, <laughs> yeah. help, I don't know what to do with this. And you know what you're doing, for yeah. sure. But well, and I worked with it all day long, but I didn't have a clue at the time. So when we got home from the store, he said, now, I want you to understand that laptops crash all the time. So what we need to do, because this is for your business and we need to make sure that you've got a good reputation in your business. So I am going to run your laptop through our home PC. And that way, if anything crashes, you still have access to it on the home PC. That, yeah. made, that made perfect sense to me. I didn't have a reason not to trust him. He's, he was my husband. Why wouldn't I trust him? And so it made perfect sense to me. Well, looking back now, we had a GoDaddy email address. I could have accessed it from any computer, whether my laptop crashed or not. I know that now. I did not know, know that, that then. then. Mm -hmm. So what I learned was that the whole reason why he did that is because he was monitoring every single thing I did. And when it and got that was just a symptom <clears throat> of more things oh, yeah. like that, right? That's yeah. not just a computer incident. Right. Yep. Yeah. That was Kinda just your way one of, of many, you know, but, um, you know, and it also got me off of the PC so that that was his realm. And it was like, you know, if I tried to get on the PC for something, well, no, you've got your laptop. You need to leave this alone because I don't know what else may have been going on there that mm -hmm. to this day I still don't know yeah. the full ramifications of, but. Yeah, you know, and that may be God's protection. Yep, and not knowing everything that was going on in that. In and you that don't realm. need to know everything. That's you true. You know, sometimes that's it's so true. Just, yeah, <laughs> it's it's like somebody talks about the temperature. Well, you know, is it hot today? Well, I don't know, because when it gets to 110, it's just hot. Does it really matter what the number is? <laughs> so it's like when you get it's to hot. the point where something's wrong, it's like, yeah, do some of those details matter? Nope, it was just wrong. Period. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right about the wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. So. That's one symptom of that, but it was part of your either feeling voiceless or insignificant or what, whatever. I don't know. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, right. but some of that, mm, other people matter more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. So unpack how that began to be peeled away. Because that's not who you are today, nor is it who you're becoming. I believe that and <laughs> yes. I love it. Yes. Um, you know, there was a... Um, Money was very, very important. I will say that. So okay. if there was something that could make us more money, it was important to go after. And um, if it didn't have to do with money, then it was automatically shut down. So I was the only one that worked for the last 12 years of our marriage. So that was a key right there. And when the economy took the hit in 2008, 2009, whatever yeah. it was, and the drapery business started to slow down a little bit, and of course our indebtedness was just getting worse and worse at that point, and we were having to look at bankruptcy. Not that my business was doing bad, because my business was actually Boomy. thriving really, really well, and it had grown every single year, but mm -hmm. because of choices that were being made at home and behind the scenes and all of this other stuff, the, 
the tail was wagging the dog and it was just getting worse and worse. So in the, in the drapery business, I had gotten in contact with a lady that lived in Oklahoma and we had just hit it off and we became Facebook friends. And it was known that she had some connections. She had things that if I were to connect with her, it would help my business, which therefore would help money. So at one point she invited me to come and visit her in Tulsa. And so it was okay for me to go. Yeah. You know, which is very different. Yes. Which is very different. So I went down, I made that connection and he thought I was going to come home and, oh, we're going to do this and that. And it's all going to, you know, cause an increase in income and which it didn't happen. I just made a connection and they became very, very good friends. And when I was down there, I remember the very first time I went down there. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie with Jim Carrey where his life was the Truman Show. Truman Show. Is it the Truman Show or whatever? Yeah. And so you've seen. Yeah. And you see the part in the movie where the he looks up in the sky and he sees the tear in the screen and he reaches up and starts picking at it and then it all starts peeling away. To me, that was my first trip to Oklahoma. It was like there was something about those people. I met this lady and her whole group of friends and it was like the minute I met them, it was like they did not judge me for who I was. They had no clue. What was going on in my background? They didn't judge me. They didn't care who I voted for. They didn't care what church I went to. They didn't care anything. They were just friendly. They were nice. They drew me into their circle. They made me one of them. They made Mm -hmm. me feel like, you know, just one of the group. And I came home and I remember I had, um, I had to go out to one of my friend's houses to, uh, work on her drapes because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to go. And, uh, but because I was going to make money, I was allowed to go. And, and I told her, I said, this was the strangest people in Oklahoma. And she's like, why were they strange? And I told her exactly what I just said. She goes, Annie, you need to realize that's normal. Wow. What you have here is what's strange. And it just, it still, it just did not click. I defended, you know, my ex and all of this stuff. It was like, this is just not making sense. But slowly but surely, it's like once that first tear in the screen happened, mm-hmm. and then once mm-hmm. it started peeling back, it just started going faster and faster. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so when you said they're the strangest people, was it because they were able to have all those connections? Was it because of their freedom? Was it because they didn't care what other people thought? You know what I mean? It what, was all, all of, of it. They were just normal. Yeah. It was like, hey, it's nice to meet you, Annie. Come on in. You're you're one of the gang. You know, if, if you're a friend of hers, you're a friend of ours. And it didn't make any difference, you know. And but before that, like, everything was really narrow for you. Oh, yeah, because I had been totally isolated. And that was probably one of the biggest things. It was the isolation. Yeah. I remember before my dad died, he had been in the hospital on five different occasions. And it wasn't minor things. I think he had hip replacement surgery. He had stents put in his heart. I mean, things like that. I was not allowed to go see him. It was like, oh, no, you have work to do. You have to stay here and work. Because it, Ooh. you know, things like that that I... Uh, if there were Wild things that I could go keep back from doing that. Really, yeah. Right? If, if I could go back and do some of those things over, but I wouldn't defend myself to him. Now, if it was my kids, it was a different story. If there was something that was about my kids, you know, he made a comment to one of my sons one day that was really, really hurtful. And I just tore into him. I'm like, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Kind of a mama you bear have came no out. right to talk to him like that. And I just went to town, but you know, five minutes later, then it was, it was all about me and it was a lecture to me and, you know, the kind of mother that I was, otherwise he wouldn't have been the way he was. And... Yeah. So the sky peels back, mm-hmm. you know, you're in the Annie Truman show, <laughs> yes. you know, you're in your version of a kind of a, um, manufactured or not real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Manipulated in, in a, yep. I don't, yeah. In, yep. a, yeah. in a false world. Was... Let's say false world. Yep. So what happens to where because I think God's in all of this. Oh, absolutely. To where there's the next piece, the next piece. Uh, or You don't have to give them all, but what's the next breakthrough moment, I guess is what I'm at. Probably the biggest breakthrough moment was when a friend of mine called and she said, Annie, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing okay. And she goes, no, you need to listen to my voice and think about your answer very carefully. She said, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm okay. And she just, she jumped. She goes, okay. She goes, I have a friend that needs a drapery job done. And so she's given me enough information that I can meet with you and we can go over the details. Can you meet me for coffee? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. When would you want to meet? And she goes, in 15 minutes, meet me. And there was a little coffee shop that just five minutes away from our house. I love it. In and 15 minutes. 
Yeah. She's like, I'm on my way. She knew in my voice. And I asked her later because it wasn't about a drapery job. And I asked her later, I said, why did you say that? And she goes, I didn't know I did. Wow. She goes, I don't remember that conversation. I said, that was the only way I got out of that house is because I was going for a job and it was going to be to make money. When I showed up at the coffee shop, she looked at me and the first words out of her mouth were, why haven't you left him yet? And I was like, what? And she just, she ranted. I mean, she just came unglued and she just went down the list. Bing, 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 bing. You've become a shred of yourself. I don't recognize you anymore. And we had known each other our whole lives. Okay, Um, go ahead. So she... We had known each other our whole lives. She was two years younger than me. So she always says... I knew her her whole life. Yeah. She won't let me turn it around because she's always reminding me that I was the older one. <laughs> but we grew up at church together. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the other people that had talked to me about different things that I would just defend what was going on at home, um, if they weren't believers, it was their opinion. It wasn't their opinion didn't matter, but it didn't count Hold the as weight so- with you Yeah, leaving. exactly. And with her, it did because mm-hmm. I knew she had the same background, the same mm-hmm. moral, the mm-hmm. same upbringing as me. And so when she started throwing these things out there and it was like, it, it really did it exactly what you said. It held more weight. And by the end of that night, it was just like the layers were gone off wow. of my eyes and I saw what was going on and it's like, I need to get out. And she's like, I'm going to be calling you. I'm going to check on you. I'm going to make sure that you're doing this. And and she actually gave me an action plan. It was go home, go through the house, think about it, you know, just scope it out, see what's there. If you had to leave and load your car with one load and then the locks got changed and you were never able to get back in, what could you not live without? What would you want? And I went home and I just, I started in. And at that point, our financial uh, situation at home was getting bad enough that we had been through, the bankruptcy had been finalized. We were losing our house as a part of it because it was going to be foreclosed upon anyway. So we knew that it was all coming to an end. Um, us and the two boys were still living at home. And it was like we were waiting for the sheriff to come and lock at the house. And we were going to move in four different directions. And that's when I told him, I said, I'm I'm moving. Four different my... directions because of the two sons and the both of you? Yeah. Or you meant, yeah. you yeah. already sort of knew you guys were I, not going to stay together? I knew you... that I was on my way out because... The night that I had coffee with that friend, I believe it was in January of 2012, and I didn't move into my own apartment until May. So there was still, there was a time of preparation. There was a time of getting my ducks in a row, all of that. There was a time of, I had actually, I had a former stepson that um, I had went over because it's like you're going through all of this and you're so tunnel visioned on Mm. what's going on and just trying to get through each day. And then it dawned on me. It's like, oh, I haven't even said anything to him because he's older, married, little girl out of the house. Yeah. And it's like, I need to reach out to them and let them know what was going on. So I found a way to get out of the house. I went over to their house. I sat them down and talked to them and told them what was going on. And he actually, he said, would you make a deal with me? And I said, what's that? And he said, would you let the two boys get out of the house before you leave? Wow. And I said, okay, but any reason why? And he said, yeah, because he said, I'm concerned that if dad finds out that you're leaving and which he totally supported, um, he says, if if he finds out that you're leaving, but the boys are still there, he goes, I'm afraid that if you leave, he might take it out on them. And he says, I don't want that to happen. He says, but he's not going to do anything to worse to you than he's already done, which nothing physical had taken place. I mean, this was not about physical abuse. This was about control and manipulation. So So in some ways, you're afraid for your life, but it's not your physical life. It's your life. Right. Like a life that you... Yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, but... It, but you know yeah. You're afraid for your life, like your life, when, when the friend says you're a shell of yourself. Literally, something yeah. was vanishing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was completely vanished. And so um, so I made that deal with him. I said, yeah, because I want my kids to be safe, you know, right. and I want them to be okay. And I don't know to what degree he would go to. So I made that deal. So it was something about letting them get out of the house. So that's why it took from January till May. Okay. And I was slowly but surely getting things out of the house, taking them over to my mom and dad, storing them in the basement, things like that. And he was, I tried to tell him, I said, now when the sheriff comes out and we have to move, I'm moving into my own place. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. No, you're not. He was in such denial. And it was, it was hard to make him finally realize that this is what's going to happen. So I moved into my own apartment. He moved into an apartment and, um, it, that was May. And then I think it was about the end of June or July. And I caught him flat out lying to my face and I blew a gasket and I said, I'm I'm done. 
I mean, I was willing to do what I could to work on things and to try and at least allow him the opportunity once we were separated to try and make it right and, and bring us back together. But he, he blew it pretty quick and pretty hard. And I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'll be back in two days with papers and you will sign them. Was it because of having some support system that helped you do that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, no, so I had no support system. So you have a friend I mean, that gives you the help up wake up right. call. But then you just all of a sudden something clicks in you to yeah. go ahead and step in. Well, we had we had been going to counseling because our youngest son approached me and he said, Mom, would you please go to counseling? And I said, I'll be honest with you. I said, I'm pretty sure my marriage is over. But if you would like me to go, I will go. I will go for you and I will make every effort that I possibly can. So we were at the counselors one day and we had done the way that the counselor was doing it is she would see me alone and then she would see him alone. And then every so many yeah. sessions, she would bring us together. together. Okay. And so it was either the end of June or the very beginning of July, because it was pretty close to the 4th of July. The three of us were together in the room and he actually looked at her and he said, well, I will admit that I've been controlling and manipulative. And I remember on the inside going, oh, wow, this is a breakthrough. This is a change. This is something's going, you know, maybe there's hope after all. And um, he wow. didn't have a car, so I would actually pick him up and take him to counseling and bring him back. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't that person who wanted revenge on him. I knew he needed help. He needed to change. And I was trying to do what I can without placing myself in the middle of that situation. Okay. So I took him home from counseling that day. And as I was pulling into his apartment complex, I said, you know, I really want to thank you for what you said and during that session. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, for admitting that you were controlling and manipulative. And he turned around, his head just snapped, and he looked over at me and he goes, I never said such a thing. I have never controlled or manipulated you a day in my life. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. And that's when I was like, all right. We're done. Mm -hmm. We're done. Mm -hmm. I am. This is this is too blatant. Everything else you've been very covert about. It's been very, you know, I've been desensitized to an awful lot. But now it's it just jumped in my face and it's like, nope, I'm done. Yeah. And it was yeah. like once that clicked in my I don't know if it was in my brain or in my heart, but once it clicked, it was like this is not happening. Yeah. I'm not taking it anymore. And and to fast forward a little bit, you have written and you have your blog that you've written uh -huh. many of these points, yep. not just your marriage things, but right. many of your life, right? Yep. It's who I am. Yep. It's who I am. It's who I am. And it's very well written. Oh, thank so you. So people should check that out. How would they check that out? It's on my Facebook page. It's also on WordPress. It's kind of hard to find because there's like a million and one blogs out there called right. It's Who I Am. But I'm on Facebook under Annie Tynan Davis or on Instagram under Annie Davis 1962. Not that that gives a clue as to my age. <laughs> but okay. if anybody wanted to reach out to me, if they are interested in reading it, I could send them the link that they could read it all in order because yeah. that was, it started the very end of 2017 and went through into the late summer of 2018. So it's not that you were something, writing. Yeah, yeah. It's not something that's kept up to date. Cause that kind of brought the story up to yes. date at that time. Yes. So, but that could be helpful to someone mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's what your hope is. And it, yeah. I, I just believe it's going to be a book. I really do. I believe yeah. it's going to be a book that is not finished because there's other parts of it that maybe you're going to add, or maybe it's a book and there's a part two. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So what does God start doing in your life to get you to this Annie that's in front of me right now because he's been doing a really big work. Yeah, he really has. Well, when the divorce was final, because that was November of 2012, my dad actually passed away in October of 2012. So the, he passed away in October. The divorce was final in November. And in December, I moved to Detroit area for about 11 months. Because like I said, I didn't have really a support system in Omaha. Now, my youngest son was very supportive. He would have been there any time for me if I would have called but dad was kind of playing the suicide card and, and doing some of those things to manipulate everybody else. So I think that the family members that were like, okay, it's between him and Annie. Mm. It, she's the stronger one of the two. She'll be okay. We have to baby him. We have to make sure he's going to stay alive. So it pulled that attention. Um, the friend that convinced me to walk out of the marriage, um, which it wasn't like that was her decision and she convinced me to do it. It was something that needed to be done anyway, but she just helped me get over that threshold. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's not like she didn't call me and ask, check on me and see if I was okay, but it wasn't something where I had a family that 
checked on me on a daily basis. My mom never, ever once called and said, are you okay? How are you doing today? I mean, nothing. I did not have a healthy relationship with my mom. And it was that way growing up. So it wasn't any different than what I was used to, but it just, it wasn't there at a critical time when I needed it. So because of the friends that I had in Oklahoma, one of the ladies who had a brother that lived in Oklahoma that was a part of that group, she lived in the Detroit area. Oh, that's the connection And we had made that connection, yes. And so she called me one day that I was having a particularly down day in my apartment. And she's like, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, this is just, I'm having a horrible day. And she's like, you know what? You just need to move away from Omaha get a fresh start, new beginning, just get behind, get all of that behind you. And the way she approached it at the time, it was like, you know what? That sounds like a really good deal. And so I went for it Mm -hmm. and it was, I don't want to say it was hard to leave Omaha. It was hard to leave my kids, Yeah, but I needed to get away from him. And it was, they were older. They weren't, yeah, they were 20, they were 22 and 24 at the time. So it was like, you know, they were, they were adults and it was to the point where they were ready to be out of the house on their own anyway and, and the whole nine yards. So, yeah, they were definitely not little. When I moved to Detroit, I was like, I thought everything, oh, everything's over. It's going to be, life is going to be one big happy Yeah, just a big difference, and, fresh air, whatever. Yeah. And I jumped from the fi- frying pan into the fire. Yeah. Um, the family that I lived with up there, they opened their home to me. They were very kind to me. The first couple of months went fine. I moved in December. In March, she had a breakdown, and um, I woke up one morning to hearing her screaming. Um, I was upstairs in the guest bedroom. Master bedroom was in the on the main floor, and her and her husband were back in the bedroom, and I could hear her screaming. And there were tons of things that she said, but there were only three phrases that I remember because, ob- for obvious reasons, you'll know. Um, one was, where's my gun? Two was, where's my ammunition? And three is, I want her out of here. <laughs> I just remember laying in bed going, Oh, so then you're like, okay, now I fear, fear what for do my I do? safety. Yeah. Yeah. I did. So I snuck out of the house. I went to a mutual friends that I had met up there and, and got calmed down and, and, you know, everything got worked out and everything was going to be better. And she was, you know, she just had an episode and, you know, okay, all okay. of that. But slowly but surely over time, it just deteriorated. And it so you noticed I need to be quickly. out of this too. Yeah. And I knew I needed to be out. Well, that was in the end of March, beginning of April. And then in June, I actually uh, went back to Omaha uh, for vacation. And when I got back to Omaha, I hadn't really missed Omaha until I came back for vacation mm. and got to see my youngest son, at least, and his girlfriend at the time. Then I got homesick when I went back mm. to Detroit. I got okay. So your things were still back in yeah. My still yeah because I didn't think I I was still planning on getting my own place up there and living up there and the whole nine yards, and when I came home and saw my youngest son and his girlfriend, it was like then when I got back to Detroit, I started getting really homesick. Well, I had seen been seeing a counselor up there who was absolutely incredible. Mm. She was so what I needed, and I mean she saw things in me that were so basic that so many people take for granted that like for example she she gave me a compliment one day and she said something about something i was wearing and i was like oh this old thing and she's like wait a minute she's just like that's not how you respond you say thank you and i'm like what and she goes mm. you do this all the time she goes you don't know how to take a compliment and i said well that's because i was told i can't and she goes what do you mean and i said i was told that if somebody gives me a compliment that i have to excuse it away because that's humility Mm. And if, you know, false humility. Yes. Okay. And she's like, boy, he just really messed you up all over the place, didn't he? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess he kind of did. We're we're finding out a lot of this stuff. More of those layer type things. Yeah, more of those layers. And she finally looked at me one day and my youngest son had actually gotten engaged while I was living up there. And then when I found out that he was engaged and his wife-to-be, her mom was no longer living. So I was going to be the only mom involved in the wedding. So that kind of drew you back. Yeah. And the counselor looked at me and she goes, what are you doing here? She goes, your heart is very obviously back in Omaha. Mm. You need to go to Omaha. Mm. And I started praying and I'm like, Lord, I don't even know how to get there. I don't have the money. I don't have anything. And, you know, there's a lot more drama that happened in the time that I was there. But by Thanksgiving, I was back in Omaha and he got me, he got me back home. And uh, it was, it was hard when I got home. 
the Lord, the Lord, yeah, the Lord. Sorry, sure. thank no, you for I clarifying. Yeah, I'm like, I think he drew, God drew yes, you back. Yes, but... he definitely drew me back home. And then when I got home, I found out that my ex had, the minute I moved to Michigan, my ex had went over to my mom's and became her best friend. And so they became very, very close. And he had been off of work because he had gotten hurt on the job and he had to be like off for 90 days or something due to workman's comp or something. And so he spent every day, all day long at her house. And even when I moved back, I would go to work. And as soon as I would leave work in the morning, she would call him and he would come over. And then he would leave right before I would come home from work. Because you were staying there. I was staying there okay. until I found a place of my own. Got it. And to go to work knowing that your ex-husband is in your place where you're currently living with all of your belongings, that was just weird. I mean, that was just unhealthy. And so during that whole process... Because of the divorce and everything, like I'd mentioned, I have the two sons, obviously. You, yeah. you know more yeah, of the story. Yeah, we have more of a connection with yes. that, too. You kind of reemerge yes. on the scene of family because yeah. you didn't get to get to come to anything or didn't, yep. you know, had to work I had somewhere not been in to that a Detroit family time. reunion in 16 years. So I had either not been allowed to go or I wasn't even told that they were happening so that I could even try to be here. So that was really hard. So when I finally had the opportunity, it's like, I'm going to everything family. Yes, you do. You're my family. That's one of the reasons why we're together now. Exactly. Because tomorrow's a family day. And um, so, but um, at the time of the divorce, when I first moved out, between the two boys, um, you know, Noah, the youngest, had, he had spent a lot of time at home. He was pretty much a homebody. So he saw things deteriorate and he saw what was going on. Levi was at the age where he was a little bit older. He was in that stage of life at 24 that he didn't want to live at home with mom and dad, but he didn't want to have to pay rent somewhere else. Yeah. So he was very scarce. You know, by the time we would get up in the morning, he was already gone to work. Yeah. By the time we would go to bed at night, he wasn't even home yet. He would just go from work and out with friends or whatever. And so he didn't see the deterioration that Noah saw. So So it might be harder on him. Yeah. Yeah. And so when, um, and I had had a conversation with him, I told him what I was doing and why I was doing it. He seemed to understand it. Everything seemed to be fine at the time, but once everybody was moved, my ex did not have a car. And so he actually ended up moving just a few blocks away from where Levi was living. And so he would call him, Hey, if you take me to the grocery store, I'll take you out to dinner. If you take me here, I'll do this for you. And so they ended up spending quite a bit of time together, which gave him Levi's ear. Yeah. And so that's where that relationship became estranged. And I don't know that that was the only reason. reason. Yeah. I think there was a, a few more things that happened within that whole time frame. But yeah. So I would say I haven't seen Levi since May of 2012, except for one occasion, because when Noah got married, Levi did come to the wedding. Right. He wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't mm-hmm. come anywhere near me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were in the same family photos, but interestingly enough, the photographer put me on the bride's side and mm-hmm. dad and Levi were on Noah's side. And I mean, we didn't, you know, I tried to approach him at one point and he just turned his back and walked away. I'm so sorry. So, but. It's painful. It is painful. And I'm you know, so sorry. Yeah. you know the pain in that. So, yeah, but it was one of the family reunions that I was at mm-hmm. that, um, and I don't even remember. I think it was FaceTiming. Year. We were FaceTiming. You were, you were folding your there. laundry. I couldn't be there. I'm folding my laundry. Folding I want to be laundry. with family. Somebody yep. show me the venue. Somebody show me the, yeah. what's going on. Well, and I think your sister Sharon got you on the phone because maybe your dad was telling some stories yeah. and yeah. she wanted you to hear the stories. And then I said, can I say hi to Rachel? And so she put me yeah. on the phone after we that. We hadn't talked in a long time. And And so we just kind of, it was a brief few minute conversation. Compared to our eight hours now. Yes. (laughs) And so then I think we both realized that we were sitting in some very, very similar shoes. Yeah. And the Lord just bonded us together over that. And to this day, we are both contending for our children Mm -hmm. and for that broken relationships to be healed. And we're going after it. Yeah, we are. We are because we know God loves our children. Yes. And he loves us. And yeah. we're all his children. Mm-hmm. And division is not God. It's, it's not the in the enemy's plan. game. Yep. Unity is the mark of the spirit. So yep. we don't always get to decide how things land in people's lives, but mm-hmm. something happens. Like even your 
testifying. Certain things happen in your life that take you a certain direction, right? Yeah. And some things happen in our kids' lives, and yep, we believe for unity. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry because I know that's painful. Yeah, because you knew you needed to be out. Yeah, but you would never want that to be the reason you don't have contact with the child. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pause a second. If you are enjoying The Real Deal with Rachel in a way, subscribe, rate, and review it. I appreciate your support. All right, back to The Real Deal. Interestingly enough, because it did take me a little while to get out of my mom's house, but I did move out into my own apartment, and things got so much better when I moved out. But it was when she died that my life changed drastically. And I don't want to say that it was because she died. That sounds gruesome and that sounds morose, <laughs> but yeah. it was not only the fact that she was a voice in my life that now was gone, but it was that connection with my ex mm -hmm. that was now broken. It was a lot of things that attributed to that, that at that time, it just created a freedom in me. And then I have my cousin, Rachel, one day who was talking to me and tuned me or turned me on to Bethel Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We started doing music videos and got online. And yes, yeah. I mean, you introduced me to a number of people, but yeah. the Bethel piece yeah. stuck like. Yeah. <laughs> so fast forward, what are you looking forward to with that? Because that's well, another reason why we're here to be able yes, to be together today. Because in August, mm -hmm. I am moving to Redding, California to yeah. attend Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Yes. 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 So excited. And when you were young, you wanted to go to school. Yes. Right? Tell how the Lord's even redeeming yes. many years. But you wanted he to go. Is well, okay. So two pieces. So when I was little, I wanted to have sisters so bad. Mm -hmm. And because my brothers were so much older and I felt like an only child, I used to tell my mom, I want a sister. Annie, you're not having a sister, which I couldn't understand why, you know, I didn't know she was, you know, age made a difference or anything. I just wanted a sister. Mom, I want a sister. You are not having a sister. Well, I had seen commercials on TV in Omaha for this place called Utah Holly, which most people are familiar with Boys Town and what Boys Town is because yeah. it's pretty nationwide. Well, Utah Holly was the Omaha version of of Boys Town, but for girls. Okay. But it was for very, very troubled girls. Okay. But they would show these commercials on TV, and these girls were all together. They got to wear uniforms. They yeah. looked like they were friends, and they got to sleep at the school because they had bunk beds. Yeah. And so you had a longing for that. I thought that looked like so fun. So <laughs> you know, Holly, this, the girls. So like, Mom, I want to go live at Utah Holly. <laughs> She's like, Annie. You are not going to go live at Utah Holly. I could not understand why. But I just, and I don't even know why. I had such a longing in my heart mm. to go away and live with girls in yeah. a dorm type of situation. Yeah. So, and then fast forward when I was in high school, my best friend at the time was going to go to um, a college in Kentucky. And I wanted to go to college with her. And I was like, this is my chance. I'm going to get to go away to school. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to go stay with Beth. I want to be, you know, living in a dorm. I want to do all these fun things. And I didn't get to go because finances, my parents just shut me down. Nope, you're not going. That's not all. That's just not in the cards. It's not happening. So I went to the university in Omaha and it wasn't, I mean, they didn't even have dorms at the time. So it was like, okay, whatever. So with going to BSSM, which is the school, um, I'm actually renting a house and I get to live with four other. No, here I am with the three versus four. I'm living with three other women. So there yeah. is going to be a, one woman that's a little bit older than me from Brazil. Mm. And then me. And then um, an upper 20s um, from Australia and a younger 20-something from um, Alabama. Wow. So we're going to live together. And so I get to go to way to school. I get to live with sisters. Yeah. I get, I'm just excited. Yeah. So the Lord is redeeming both He's of redeeming those things. That. A heart's desire from years ago. Yes. Coming to fruition. Yes. Okay, so two things. So the Uta Holly and that, and then? Well, and then um, one of the stories that I had from when I was married is my ex-husband was, he was a fish. I mean, he was a diver mm. growing up. He was, and he was very, very good at it. Mm. And we're not talking scuba diving. We're talking springboard diving. Yeah, yeah, and super talented. Diving. Yeah, and um, he used to compete against Greg Luganis. I mean, he was very, very good. And so you would think somebody like that, I mean, he went to <laughs> Olympic trials three times by the time he was 12. He was good. Right. 
You would think he'd want his wife to know how to swim. <laughs> you float. You just <laughs> no, that's right. You I simply still, float. Yes. Going back to the and beginning. He, of the he actually convinced me. Um, he taught me to be afraid of the water. He really did. Um, we were out with mm. our dentist, who was um, a friend at the time, and his daughter was um, Scott was actually coaching diving. And the dentist's daughter was one of his students. I don't know if that's what yeah, you yeah, yeah. call it. Okay. But um, so we went out with them and we were, they had a cabin on a lake. And so we were all out and everybody was water Jumping skiing. Jumping in the water, doing stuff. Well, they were all water skiing. Okay. And here I'm sitting in the boat with a life jacket on and they're all just, you know, going around and around and around the lake and the dentist and his wife and my ex and, and the stepson and everybody skiing and the little eight-year-old dentist's daughter. <laughs> and they're all just like, they're pros. And I'm sitting there and I'm just watching them. And I'm like, you know, that looks so fun. And you guys make it look so easy. And the dentist's wife goes, well, you can try it. And I said, I don't, I said, I don't know how to swim. And she said, you've got a life jacket on. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And because, and then her husband chimed in and he's like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll totally, we'll show you how to do this. You can do this. It's not a big deal. And they pumped it up so big that my ex didn't know it was like he couldn't compete with that at that point because they had already made been very vocal. And got you sort of excited yeah. to do it. And so he goes, okay. He goes, I'll let you do this. He said, I'll go ski next. And then when I'm done, I'll stay in the water and I'll help you get in, get your skis on. I'll explain to you what it is you need to do. And we can go from there. And I was like, okay. So yeah. I was all excited. Pumped up. You know? So he gets done skiing and I go back to the back of the boat. And I walked down the ladder. Now, I did not jump in the water. I mean, I was being cautious. I didn't yeah. know how to swim. I walked down the ladder. I had this life jacket on. He grabbed the life jacket. He had his hand down at the like the waist or the bottom of one yeah, side. And the next thing I knew, he was pulling me up out of the water. And he looked at me and he said, I have never seen anybody sink with a life jacket on. Well, that scared me. I said, okay, I'm done. Put me back in the boat. I don't need to go. Oh. I'm all good. And so I got back in the boat and it was like, that was the end of it. I've never tried since then. Other than to say in the past few years, because of like different 4th of July parties yeah, yeah. and things that I've been to, I have been in the water with life jackets on last year. But I you didn't went, sink. Nope. I did not sink. And last year I went with our cousin Cindy on a cruise. Yeah. I snorkeled. Yes. And I swam with dolphins Woo-hoo! with life jackets on, had no issue whatsoever. So I'm pretty convinced looking back at that story now that when he had a hold of that life jacket, he actually pulled me under to then pull me up and convince me that mm. I sunk. Mm. And that was part of that just whole manipulation piece. And so the best part of it is, is the house that I'm going to be living in in Reading has a pool in the backyard. And I'm going to how to swim. <laughs> I can't wait for picture texts. <laughs> and video. Yes, video of, of you actually swimming, swimming. Not swimming. Yes. <laughs> without a life jacket. Without a life jacket, I believe um, it'll happen. I really do. And I fear do has no place in your mind. No. It has no place no. to keep you, you know, away yeah. from the water. And he's just such a water redeemer. is life, you know. So yeah. that's so good. Yep. That's so good. All right, so we have, I don't know how much time we have left, but I just want you to say anything else that you want to share because honestly. I think we're, we're doing well, but there's, okay. if there's something else burning in your heart, who knows? You're going to be in California. I hope to visit you. I know. Um, I maybe want we'll you do another, another podcast, but is there something you want to testify about God or what he's doing in your life or the real deal of who he is? It, I just don't want to put words in your mouth, but my point is I don't want to close this down. If there's right. something that the spirit's telling you, share this. You know, I don't, I really don't have anything else yeah. on my heart that, you know, I mean, I came into this just going, okay, Holy Spirit, you just yeah, yeah. take it away and do whatever you want to do. I would just tell Rachel stories. Okay. All right. Well, share a couple. Or because one. we all know that Rachel tells Barb stories yes. and they're not Barb stories. They're Barb, Barb stories, stories my sister which are Barb, so good. I love her. So I think for Barb's sake, I need to tell a Rachel story. Okay. All right, you ready, real dealers out there? Here yeah. you go. This is the real deal. Okay. This is the real Rachel. So, <laughs> Tell me. When we were kids, because you know what story this I is. Think I think I might be. Yes. But you had to remind me when we got reconnected, because you have the mind of a steel trap. I'm like, did I really do that? Okay, I think I know what you're going to say. Yes. Go ahead. So I came to, it was one of those weeks I came to visit, and as I got there, because I think it was on a weekend, and you were getting ready for a surprise birthday party for 
Missy or Martha, okay, which one of my girlfriends. Won. Yes, uh, yes, because you had these friends, Missy and Martha, which I always thought was sisters because I thought, well, Missy and Martha, they just sound like they go together <laughs> yeah. because they were always together. together. If you were with them, yeah, it was all we of hung them. out as kids. So anyway, so you were going to have this surprise birthday party, and so you were. It was going to be in the basement of your mom and dad's house. And the stairwell to the basement is a very long stairwell. Mm -hmm. And you've got this hand railing going down the stairwell. And you had crepe paper wrapped around and around and around. To decorate for the birthday party. Exactly. (laughs) Winding all the way down this hand railing. And you, I got ready to walk downstairs and you stopped me. You're like, Annie, now you need to understand. Don't touch hand railing going down the stairs because this is all set up for the party i don't want it ruined okay yeah don't touch the hand yeah. railing okay. like okay. okay i'm good i won't touch the hand who railing. is bossy pants then that's me and you turned around and got ready to walk down the stairs and your your foot slipped off the first step And you slid down the stairs, you grabbed the hand railing and ripped the crepe paper all the way down. And you landed at the bottom of the stairs and you just looked up at me like, oh. And of course, Annie falls on the floor laughing her head off because I didn't, it doesn't occur to me to say, are you okay? I was cracking up because it was hilarious because of what you had just told me exactly and you were okay it wasn't like you yeah, yeah you know you hurt. got hurt i knew i knew you weren't hurt but it, it was so funny but it was just the timing <laughs> of it all <laughs> i posted recently when we were trying to do the um lily pads yes we were trying to do a little facebook group for the launch of the book lily pads that i wrote how <laughs> you were cracking up it's only 10 seconds but i rewatched that because when you laugh it makes me laugh yes. and we have conversations still to this day where we just half of it is laughing yes. at whatever and praying and you know oh, yeah. hearing catching up on each other's days oh and yeah praying for our kids or whatever but and there's a lot of times that we don't laugh because we're going after something yeah and we are definitely in that praying or catching yep. up mode and we do have some conversations that you know hey i've got 20 minutes in the car i'm on my way to church yeah. can we catch up yep. and we do that but yeah we yeah. we never run out of things to say no, because we, we have had that eight hour long phone call where you were like annie is it dark out it's dark well yeah we've been on the phone this whole time oh. I've cleaned yes. my house. I've organized <laughs> drawers. I've mopped the floor. I've done whatever. And we just oh, keep yeah. talking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I, I do want to you to know that I think that God is good to reconnect us. Because oh, you, a yes. childhood cousin, that's awesome. Yeah. And he's good to reconnect us. And it's not just um, our life being connected through Facebook or text messaging, but our life being connected through a hard thing. Yeah. And we've been really, really You've been really helpful to me because it's uh-huh. a sounding board. Nobody gets estrangement like somebody who's going through something. Yep. You know what I mean? And we're just believing for big things, aren't we? And the best part is, is because we've walked through this up until now, we get the kaboom at the end with the victory and Amen. the testimony Amen. of how it's going to come about. Yeah. yeah. We fight from victory, not for victory. Yeah, absolutely. And we believe it. But you've been very helpful. And mm-hmm. I love you like crazy. Oh, and I, and I just so wish the too. best for you. I, I'm i going to miss you. I'm going to miss you a lot. But you've not been in my town anyway, and we've had right. no problem. So Actually, if we lived down the street from each other, it would probably not be a good thing. <laughs> there's a thicken. If there's, there's a thicken Yep, there's a thinnin'. <laughs> That's no. what Grandma used to say. Yep. I don't remember that, but you told me that. Yep, my mom used to say that. She'd say, be careful who you neighbor with and how you neighbor, because where there's a thickening, there's a thinnin'. <laughs> yeah. Well... Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen to us. But I no, but and I know family's what you're saying. different. But yeah. I think if we if we did live that close to each yeah. other, it would be hard to not have our own lives oh, yeah. separate from each other no. because of that family connection. Yeah. And you are it's so, so relational that you have to be around a million people a day. <laughs> and I'm used to being around nobody a day <laughs> because I have just been in so much of a of a winter, not, not really a winter season, but yeah, a winter season for so long that the Lord has just been building things within me that there's just getting ready for what's to come. But I, I see so much budding on the trees of that winter season. It's totally turning spring. It is. It's a beautiful thing. It is. And I think what's happened to you now is you're not alone as in the isolation that was part of your past, but I see you alone with the Lord. 
Oh, solitude yeah. is different than isolation. Oh, Silent, so different. Solitude and silence spent in communion with God and worship music or lying flat, flat out, whatever, yep. is different than, no, you can't go out unless you're yes. making money or whatever. Yep. You know, I, I don't want... Yeah. Yep. That's different. Yep. So that your healthy yes. side of silence and solitude yep. is what's happening in your life now. Yep. That's beautiful. I stay home because I love to be at home alone with right. the Lord. Yeah. 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 I love it. That's huge. Okay. So do you feel comfortable praying for our audience? I want to pray for you after. Or should I pray first? Okay. Wait. <laughs> you always make me go first. I always make so you go my first. Mind is, so you pray for the podcast. I know we pray together, and I always ask, like, so would you like to go first? But basically, it means you're gonna go first. No, basically, it means I still have one thing I'm finishing up on. So I'll just listen and mute you while you pray, and then I'll finish up. I, I, I got you. No. I'm making my dinner for goodness sake. No, no, no. Depends on no. We I'm putting do my pajamas on. Okay. No, no, no. And you, well. We have our own little routine yeah. when we pray. Yeah. So there's a specific spot in the house you want to get into yeah, yeah, yeah. and the things that you do. And I, I totally get it. We're on the same page. Yeah. But so I start praying while you're kind of getting set. Right. So yeah. I well, get you've that. already blessed the audience by just sharing Aww. your story. And I believe people are going to read your blog. I pe believe people are going to read your book. I believe your story is going to help people beyond what you ever know because God redeems really things. And I so. think that's what you want to do, right? You yep. want to be trained at this school to maybe, yep. you know, you're not trying to box God in, but what right. is one heart thing that you think you might yeah. do later? Well, I know that my, I don't want to say my goal. I don't know if it's my goal, but the, the mindset that is causing me to go out there is to work with women in domestic violence, just because that's the journey I've walked through as well as, you know, broken relationships, things like that. But knowing that, that might be just what gets me out there. Yeah. And that's the reason what he laid on my yeah. heart as the purpose behind going, but knowing that I am fully open for whatever, yeah. whatever he God. has, yeah. even if it's a new husband. <laughs> <laughs> whatever he has, you want, you want your yes for God is yeah, what it is. Absolutely. And I will go anywhere. I'm, you know, it took a couple of years of him very gently saying, if I ask you to leave Omaha, would you go? Mm-hmm. If it's okay if you don't live there, mm -hmm. are you okay with that? Mm -hmm. Because that's where Levi is. And, but seven years later, it hasn't made a difference. So he can do whatever he wants, whether I'm in California, whether I'm in Omaha, or whether I'm anywhere else. Right. So, yeah. It's all been a part of that journey. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I believe, know he'll do it. I believe it'll happen. I really it will. Do. It will. So you have blessed me. I am so grateful for you. I love you. Oh, I'm I proud of you. So too. I've oh. seen you morph change into a beautiful Aww. a beautiful You're significant so woman who is going to take and be a world changer just take the past mm -hmm. and not tie yourself or anchor yourself to it but use it oh I use it, it to catapult you yeah. forward i see oh, that and i you. i believe that and i'm not just saying that for this podcast no i know you're not i you, i believe you have some good things coming and you're and such you an encourager me. and i mm. thank you so much for that yeah. and i am just so grateful sometimes i i see the things that you do and i see the you know you've written a book you're working on another one you go out and speak and you've spoken all over the world yeah. and it's just like i feel so Send honored it's like i'm her cousin <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> she's famous. I she's my admin. If you've got gotten a note from Annie, she's my admin. I've got her actual phone number. It's like that, <laughs> you know, the famous person she, thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not. I know the inside scoop. No, no, no. I'm honored to know you. <laughs> oh. All right, you bless our audience, and then I'm gonna right. bless you. Oh, Father God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to share a little bit of my story with anybody that it might touch. I just pray that you would just anoint it, that you would just have it um, go into the places where it needs to go, that uh, the people that would need to hear it will be able to hear it and that yeah. it will just impact their lives, that they would know that, um, that there are people out there walking through the same things, that it doesn't always have to look exactly the same, right. but it can be similar. People are, um, yeah, people, it's amazing how different stories can look, but how the same they can look. And I just thank you for the opportunity to impact your kingdom mm -hmm. um, with what I have walked through. I think of the song that I have heard so much recently that says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Mm -hmm. And there's a line in it that says that there is no voice louder than the captive set free. And I Hallelujah. thank you so much for the opportunity because I've got my voice back and thank I'm you, planning on using it. Thank and you, I Lord. thank you so much for that in Jesus name. Lord, I just bless Annie. I just thank you, God, that you have mm -hmm. her on a swing set of your kingdom, Lord. And she is going to sing songs on this <laughs> and that swing set that honor you, that bring glory thank to your you. name. 
And Lord, I thank you for the parameters that you've put around her. I thank you for the mm-hmm. protection that you've had over her. I thank you, God, that you're the shield around her and the lifter of her head. And my mm-hmm. prayer is that when you lift her head, when you take your hand underneath her chin, when she sees you, God, she would see your smile upon her. Mm-hmm. Always, Lord, that you lift up your countenance upon us, that you give us peace. And so I just bless her, Lord. I just bless her, mm-hmm. and I thank you for who she is. I thank you for the plans that you have for her. I just bless her body, soul, mind, and spirit, and I thank you for her open doors and favor. I thank you for her finances. I thank you that you're going to give her um, sleep every night, Lord, and you're going to give her energy to do her homework and her work and her relationships. I thank you for the fact that she's going to learn to swim, and I <laughs> praise you for that, Lord. And we just thank bless you. we just bless what you're doing in our lives, Lord. We thank you for our kids. We pray bless yes. them, and we pray that they would know they have praying mamas that believe yes. the best for them have not bit off on a lie about them Mm-mm. at all. They just love them, and yep. we love them like crazy, Lord. So yep. I just bless our children, God, all of them. And yes. we thank you, Lord, that you care about your kids. So I pray for the Real Deal audience, Lord, and yep. I thank you for those who have been listening and hanging in mm. on this one. Maybe it's been longer, Lord, but I think it's been fruitful. So glory thank to your you, great Jesus. name. We praise you, Lord, and bless these listeners in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Yes, You're thank amazing. you. I love you. Mm, I love you. Mm, amazing. All right, thank you, everybody. You've been listening to The Real Deal with me, Rachel Inouye, helping people celebrate their significance and the genius of God in them. Audio engineering by my husband, Michael Inouye. Thanks, babe. Theme music by Andrew Grace. <laughs>